0: Welcome, Be Free. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here at Be Free Community Church, and we are a Christ-centered family that glorifies God by loving Him, loving others, and making disciples. That is who we are. It's what we do, and that's how we do it. And happy New Year! Uh, this is the first Sunday of the New Year, and just by chance, it's also the first Sunday that we're going to be in the Book of Acts. So, if you have your Bibles or your Scripture journals, go ahead, open up to the Book of Acts now. Acts is one of the most interesting, uh, inspiring, beautiful, and exciting books of the entire Bible. I know I say this with almost every book we go through on Sunday mornings, uh, but I think it's one of my favorite books uh, of the entire Bible, and I think that as we go through the book this year, uh, you'll see why. But I think that the book of Acts is a book that we need right now. Uh, That's why we're doing it right now rather than at some other time in our church's history. The reason being because we're in this time of COVID. And during COVID, uh, a lot of our rhythms, these regular rhythms that characterize what we do as a church have been disrupted. And I think that for many of us, it's been a chance for us to step back and to ask some questions like, who are we? What is a church and what does a church do? And so I sense that we need to, at this time, uh, work on forming a better understanding of what a church is. And I think that the book of Acts is going to help us answer those questions. I also sense that right now we need a better vision of God's passion for the nations. And the book of Acts is going to help us with that as well. I sense that we need a better vision of our role in God's mission. The book of Acts is going to help us with that. I sense we need a bigger picture of God's sovereign plan for the world and all the people in this world. And Acts is going to help us with that. And finally, as we continue on in history, I sense that we need, as a church, to be further prepared to live in a culture, in a world where Christ and his people are less and less popular. Acts is going to help us with that as well. And so we're diving into Acts now, not just because I love the book, but because I think Acts is the book that we need right now. And I pray that as we dive into the book of Acts, it relights a fire in our bellies, a desire, a hunger, and a zeal to be the church, and to see Christ's mission advanced on earth. So here we are in the book of Acts. Go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 1 in your Bibles now, and we're going to start right at the beginning. But here's the tricky thing about the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1 is not the beginning of the story. The first chapter of Acts, though, what it does give us is it gives us a conclusion of Jesus's time here on Acts, it gives us or on Earth, it gives us a continuation of His ministry through His people. It gives us an introduction to the next two thousand years of Jesus's story. It's a commissioning of Christ's people. It's a promise about the coming of the Spirit, and it's a promise that Jesus will come again. Even in this first chapter, we're given somewhat of a table of contents of everything that we're going to see in the book to come. And so, because of that, right now in this first sermon in Acts, we're just going to focus on the first eight verses, just the first eight verses, a very small portion of scripture, so that we can dive in, dissect it, soak in it, and meet God there. So let me pray, and then we will dive in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this book. Um, It is inspired by you, God. It is your word. And because we believe that your word is exactly that, your word, uh, we ask that you would help us understand it. Give us the endurance to labor and long to understand it, Lord. Open our eyes to understand it so that we can believe what it says, delight in what it reveals to us, and obey what you command of us. Father, may that be what happens today as we open up your word. And we pray, Lord, that the result would not just be uh, a more clear uh, direction for us to obey, but also a more clear picture of you that we can worship. And so, Father, speak to us today through Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And we pray that you would receive all the glory that is due your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in lieu of me giving you an introduction to the book of Acts, let's read the introduction that the book of Acts gives us. Join me. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Starting verse 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So the Book of Acts it was written by a man named Luke, and it's the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke. And it was written to a man named Theophilus. And when we what we read in the first few verses here is that Luke refers to something that he calls uh, uh, my first book, or the first book. And when he's talking about the first book, what Luke is referring to is the gospel of Luke. The first book that he wrote to this man named Theophilus. So before we dive into the second volume, the book of Acts, let's do a first, uh, just a really brief recap of volume one, the book of Luke. Because at the beginning of the book of Luke, Jesus was born of a virgin. Uh, This is the story that we celebrated at Christmas, that he, Jesus, was born into the world. Also in Luke, we read the story of his baptism and how at his baptism, God spoke from heaven declaring that he was exactly who he said he was, God's son. And then continuing on, we see Jesus' ministry on earth, how he was preaching good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, new sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. And he was announcing, demonstrating, and teaching about his long-awaited and upside-down kingdom. Going on, we see how he was forming himself a new, pa- new people, how he was modeling for them the way to live in his new kingdom, how he was debating with the Jews and winning and teaching through his parables. Finally, as we come to the end of the book of Luke, we see as Jesus rides a donkey into Jerusalem, institutes a new covenant in his blood at the Last Supper, and then finally we see how he is betrayed, arrested, tried, crucified, and then three days later risen again from the grave. And in the closing words to the book of Acts, this is what we read. Acts chapter 24, verses 48 through 53. He says, you, that's the disciples, are witnesses of these things. That's his entire ministry. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city, that's Jerusalem, until you have clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his eyes, he blessed them. and while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and there and, and were continually in the temple blessing God. So that's a brief recap of Volume one of everything we see in the Gospel of Luke, and now we're in Volume two. The book of Acts. And it's in the book of Acts that Luke picks up where he left off. And if in volume 1 he began to deal with everything that Jesus did and, and taught. In and Acts, what we can assume is that Luke is going to continue telling us everything that Jesus continues to do. Specifically through his people. And so what we need to understand right here at the beginning of the book of Acts is that Luke and Acts is one story. Luke-Acts is actually one book in two volumes. It's the story of Jesus and the story of Jesus' people. One story, two books. But it's also a story that doesn't end at the end of Acts. It's not a story that ends at Acts chapter 28. It's a story that continues with the people of God all the way up to today. So be free. What we need to understand is that the book of Acts and Luke is one story, but it's also our story. The book of Acts is our story. I know right now it's really popular for people uh, to do things like 23andMe or to get a membership to Ancestry.com and to really seek out understanding your roots, to know where you came from, to know the history of your family, to know the story of your people. But if you're a Christian Acts is your spiritual ancestry.com. Acts is your spiritual version of 23andMe. Acts tells you the story of your spiritual family. Acts is your story. And it became so the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and were adopted into the family of God. So let's continue on in the book of Acts, starting in verse 3. In other words, let's continue reading your story. Let's keep going. Verse 3, here we are. He, that's Jesus, presented himself alive to them, the disciples, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John was baptized, sorry, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Really, we're given our bearings here. We're told the setting and what's going on with the disciples. It seems, just from these couple of verses, that the disciples are all together in one place, uh, in Jerusalem. And they're there with Jesus. That at this point in the story, Jesus had risen from the dead and was together with his disciples. But he had not yet risen back up into heaven, or rather ascended back up into heaven. And that during 40 days that he was with them there in Jerusalem, he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Also, it seems that at this point, the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. seems that, because he says here, that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that's our bearings. God's disciples or Jesus' disciples are in Jerusalem with Jesus, waiting uh, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to come back to this whole idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit a little bit later, and then for sure again in a couple weeks. But for now, let's continue on in our passage, starting in verse 6 again. Luke continues, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus here, he starts, he's he's talking about the kingdom of God. That's the expression that he uses here. But the question is, what does he mean? What's he referring to when he speaks about the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is something that God's people have been waiting for, waiting a really long time for. It's something that they have been longing for. And longing for more and more and more with every passing year as they find themselves under the power of foreign nations. And to speak about the kingdom of God, to put it as simply as possible, is to speak about God's rule and reign. To speak about his rule and his reign. Rain. And they are waiting for the day that God himself would rule over them, the day when he would send a king, a king from David's line who would be anointed by God and who would come and usher in an eternal kingdom where they would live once again under the rule and reign of their God. That's what they're waiting for. That's what they're expecting. And that's what Jesus is teaching about when he teaches about the kingdom of God. You see, the people of Israel at that point in history, they've been waiting a long time for that kingdom to come. The prophets of the Old Testament told the people of Israel to wait for that day. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited until, you know, by the time we got to the end of the Old Testament, that king never came. No king came to sit on David's throne forever and usher in that perfect kingdom of God's rule. And so by the end of the Old Testament, we're wondering what happened to that kingdom of God. And the people of Israel just kept waiting and waiting and waiting as the prophets went silent and hope seemed lost. But then in the book of Luke and the book of Matthew here, when we get to the New Testament, we start hearing stories. For instance, in the very beginning in the book of Luke, we read that Mary was visited by an angel, and that angel, that messenger from God, told her, Luke chapter 1, verse 33, that he, the baby that she would bear, would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there would be no end. And this baby, it was going to grow up, and his name was going to be Jesus. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, we read that he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And then Luke, the author of the book, says of Jesus in Luke chapter 8 verse 1 that Jesus went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the king. This is the one they were waiting for, or or so it seemed. Because the problem is that by the time you get to Luke chapter 23, this king, this one that they were hoping would usher in the kingdom of God, is killed and hope that the kingdom of God would come through this man, was lost. Or so it seems. Because here we are, Acts chapter 1, and this man, this anointed king who's going to bring the kingdom of God, who died, rose again. (laughs) And here he is, standing in front of his disciples, proof that he really was the Messiah, the Christ, that they thought he was. So the disciples here, I love what they say, because they ask the logical question to Jesus. They say, Jesus, are you going to do this thing? Is now the time? He says, Lord, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you about to do the thing that we have been waiting for, for generation after generation after generation? Is now the time? And in verses 6 through 8, 6 through the end of our passage today, Jesus gives an answer to that question. Am I now going to fulfill the kingdom? And in fact, in Jesus' answers, actually it's specifically in verses 7 and 8, he tells his disciples three things about the kingdom. Three things about the kingdom. This is what they are. Number one, he tells them the when of the kingdom the when of the kingdom, when it's going to come. He tells them the who of the kingdom. In other words, who is going to bring this kingdom. And finally, he tells them the how of the kingdom. How this kingdom will come. So let me read it for us. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. This is Jesus' answer to the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is what he says. He says, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus' answer. And it tells us the when of the kingdom, the who of the kingdom, and the how of the kingdom. So, first, let's look at the when of the kingdom. When will God's kingdom come? The disciples ask, Is now the time? Are you going to do what we have been waiting for, Jesus? And Jesus, to paraphrase his answer, says, Don't worry about that. I don't want you to worry about the when of the kingdom. That's not information you need to know. He says in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. And to be honest this is a this is an unsatisfying answer but it's the answer that Jesus gives them and to be frank, be free this is where things still stand today because we know that when Jesus came the first time Jesus is, Jesus brought God's kingdom God's kingdom was present in Jesus's lifetime he proclaimed the coming of his kingdom with his preaching we glimpsed his kingdom in his miracles he established His kingdom with his death. He inaugurated his kingdom by his resurrection. So in one sense, the kingdom is already here. The kingdom has already begun. But at the same time, we're waiting for the kingdom. We're waiting for the day when the kingdom of God will be completed, or you might say consummated. We're waiting for the day where Jesus will come and kick out all the rebels, bring judgment on all rebellion. We're waiting for the day will he, when he will come and take full authority over this world. And this will happen on the day that he returns. But when will that happen? Be free. The answer here that Jesus says, to paraphrase is you don't need to worry about that. Don't worry about that. That's the Father's business. And so, while it is a somewhat unsatisfying answer, it is the answer Jesus gives to the question, when? When will the fullness of the kingdom come? When will the kingdom be completed? But now we have to ask the question, who? Let's ask the who of the kingdom. Because though it's not for us to know when Jesus will return to complete his kingdom, that doesn't mean that we don't have a job to do in the meantime. Because, yes, we know that Jesus is the king. We know that Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom. We know that Jesus will come again to complete the kingdom. But Jesus says in verse 8 here, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is the king, but the kingdom is now being advanced by you, by me. By us. That's what this passage seems to be saying. You will be my witnesses. You are going to be the one who's going to carry on my mission to the world. And what is a witness? Let's just give that definition really quick. A witness is someone who has seen and experienced something firsthand and can then turn around and tell other people what they have seen and experienced. Maybe that's a kind of a wordy way of saying it, but to give another answer, we might say that a witness is somebody who has witnessed something and can now bear witness to something. They have witnessed with their eyes and then they can bear witness with their lips. That's what a witness is. And so Jesus here is saying, you will be my witnesses. You will tell of what you have seen and experienced. You will tell the world about me. You will tell the world about the good news of my death and resurrection, how I died to pay for sin, and how I rose again victorious over the grave. So go and bear witness to these things, disciples. To boil down Jesus' answer, this is is what it is. The disciples say, Jesus, are you going to bring the kingdom now? Jesus' answer basically is, No, no, you are. I'm leaving. (laughs) And you will continue. My mission, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the city where you are right now, in all Judea and Samaria, that's the northern and southern kingdoms in other words, to the people of Israel, the surrounding nation, and then finally, to the ends of the earth. Are you going to bring the kingdom now? No, you are, starting here and moving out everywhere. And that's actually exactly what we see the disciples do for the rest of the book of Acts. In fact, this passage, it gives us almost a table of contents for everything that we're going to see in the chapters to come. Because in chapters two through seven, what we see is the disciples bearing witness to the resurrected Christ right there in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 18 through 12, we see the disciples bearing witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ in Judea and Samaria. And then finally, in chapters 13 through 28, the disciples bear witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ all the way on, outside of Jerusalem and Judea, to the ends of the earth. So this is what we see the disciples do for the rest of the book of Acts. Take the good news of Jesus Christ. Bear witness of his death and resurrection in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But remember, the book of Acts is not just their story. It's it's our story. And so this command from Jesus to take the good news of his death and resurrection to the ends of the earth is for us as well. Be free. We are called to join Christ in His mission. Be free. We are called to be His witnesses. To be His witnesses right here, starting right here where we are, where we are living and serving as kingdom citizens. To be His witnesses, to speak the good news, telling of Jesus' death and resurrection right here in Alton, right here in the Lakes region. And be free. It's our job to bear witness as we go elsewhere as well, specifically in the nation he's put us in, to our countrymen, to our region, to our nation. And finally, be free. It is our job, it is our mission to take the good news of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to the ends of the earth, embracing even radical sacrifice to take his message of good news everywhere, (laughs) to everyone. So as we look at verses 7 and 8, We learn about the when of the kingdom. That when the kingdom of God will be completed is in the Father's hands. We also learn about the who of the kingdom. That Christ has called you, us, his people, to continue his mission. And now we have to answer the last question. The question of how. How will his mission go forth? How will we, in other words... Take the good news and bear witness to it, to the ends of the earth. How will we complete his mission? Because if you haven't noticed yet, this is a sizable task. This is a massive job. This is a huge responsibility. This is a mission with worldwide comprehensive scope. So the question is, how? It's One more time, go back to this passage. Join me in verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus gives us, you and me, be free, an awesome, sobering, and yes, impossible task the task of completing his mission on earth. But in his mercy, he does not ask us to do this task alone. In his mercy, he does not ask us to do this task by our own power. We take up the mission of God by the power of God. We take up, be free, the mission of God by the power of God. And be free. I hope this is a relief to you. Because the Spirit of God, get this, the Spirit of God, it lives inside of you. The Spirit of God gives you the power that you need to do the job you've been given to do. This isn't something that you have to do on your own. The Spirit of the living God that rose Jesus from the dead, that will one day raise you from the dead, dwells within you. I hope this isn't just a relief. I hope this also lights a fire in you. Reminding you of the power that you have inside of you. Reminding you that you have everything you need to fulfill the mission that God has given you. And recognize the disciples in this passage, they can't say that. The disciples in this passage, they have not yet been given the Holy Spirit. It says here, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They are about to receive the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But be free you right now by faith. You do. You already do have the Holy Spirit. He is dwelling inside you. So we must go. We must go bearing witness to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ with urgency. Until all people in Alton, in America, in all the earth have heard the good news, have heard the message of Christ's death, And resurrection. Because be free. Think about it like this. We have been given the responsibility to fulfill Christ's mission. Jesus's spirit empowered people. That's his plan A for fulfilling his mission. We are his plan A. And there is no plan B. Be free. We have been given the responsibility to fulfill Christ's mission. What an amazing honor. We've been given the power to do so. By the Holy Spirit. So let's actually pause for a minute, be free, and and try to answer this question. This question that I'm about to ask you is not the only time you're going to be hearing it as we go through the series of Acts, and it's not rhetorical. I want you to answer this question. What place has God given you in his mission? If you have put your trust in Christ, then you have been given this mission. This is now your spirit-empowered job. But what place does he have for you in his mission? Are there people at your work or maybe at your gym on your street, maybe in your family, that God is calling you to bear witness to? To share the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are there kids or are there youth in your town, in our church, in your family, in your home, that God wants you to tell about Him? The answer to those questions is yes. There are. The question, though, is who? And that when God brings those names and those faces to your mind, I pray right now will you answer? Will you obey? Will you enter into relationship with them, or deeper into relationship with them? Will you take opportunities to have conversations with them about spiritual things? Will you bear witness to them of what Christ has done, perhaps simply by bearing witness firsthand to what He has done in you? Will you share with them the story of your testimony? Will you share with them the story of the of the way that He brought you from death to life, about how He walks with you in the easy in the hard times of this life, be free. Will you go? Because be free. We are called to go. We must go urgently. And we can also go confidently. Because this mission is not dependent upon our power. It's not dependent upon your power. It's not dependent upon how well you know the intricacies and the nitty gritties of your Bible. It's dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. So be free. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again. And if you have trusted in him, you have been made new, you have been forgiven, you have been adopted, and now he has a job for you to do. So go. Bear witness to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ right where you are and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for those of us who know you, who have heard this message, we only know the message of your death and resurrection because somebody bore witness to us. If other people didn't bear witness to us of your amazing work on earth, Father, we would have no hope. We would not have eternal life. We would not be citizens in your kingdom. But Father, because of their faithfulness, because of their obedience, we have been given life in your name the opportunity to believe in you and Father I pray that we would be faithful as well that we would be or that we would take seriously the job that you have given us to bear witness to who you are and to what you have done to bear witness in other words to the gospel to bear witness to the person, work, person and work of Jesus Christ, your death and resurrection. And Father, I pray that right now you would do two things. First of all, you would open our eyes to the people around us in our lives that don't know you. Open our eyes to the people around us who might be open to just having conversations about spiritual things so that we can share with them who you are. And secondly, Lord, I pray that you, the Holy Spirit, who has all the power, would start doing a work in their hearts, softening them to hear the gospel, to hear the good news of your death and resurrection. Father, I pray that as a result of the faithfulness of the people of Be Free, people would come to know you and to find new life in you. Father, we are desperate for that. Bring new life to people in our towns in our families, on our soccer teams, at our workplaces, at the gym. We ask you to do all this in the name of and in the power of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray this, Lord Jesus' name. Amen.